in Luke chapter number 18. And so if you found that, if you'll stand to your feet and we'll read these few verses and get right into the message this morning. And uh, thank you so much. If you're not able to stand, we understand. Uh, But we want to read the scripture here. The Bible says, And they brought unto him also infants. Uh, The Bible says uh, in Matthew that they were children as well, that he would touch them. It also says in Matthew that he would put his hands on them and pray. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer, little children, to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, shall in no wise enter therein. And let's bow our head and pray this morning. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for this church and what it means and how it's impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. Thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people in the middle of summer coming here and having a full crowd this morning and then a good crowd in the 830 service. Lord, I appreciate the fact that your people want to worship you. Thank you for that. Or there's some that are online this morning that are tuning in because they're not able to be here due to sickness or work or maybe vacation, but I appreciate their faithfulness of tuning in. Maybe some are checking our church out and just want to see what's going on. And may they know that we want first and foremost you to be glorified. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit power. I know I'm feeble and I'm just a human, just just made of flesh. But I do believe your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe it will discern and, and it will challenge our hearts. I pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit power will fill me with your, with your power. And may I communicate, Lord, and, and may it come across clearly. And, Lord, may we be challenged this morning in this area of reaching the next generation. Thank you for these dear people. Some of them have sacrificed much financially, Lord, physically, of their time, because they love people. And I pray that we'll just be challenged to continue to do more for you in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. I pray you'll bless this time. Be with the children downstairs in the nursery. Be with the teenagers upstairs. I pray that they'll be able to hear your word preached and taught and as well, and they'll receive it. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There was a story from several years ago. In fact, it was before uh, ultrasounds and all that. And there was three men, three fathers, sitting in the delivery ward waiting room of the hospital. The first of the fathers was approached by the doctor, and the doctor said, Congratulations! He says, You're having twins. Wow! He said, That's really cool. He says, I'm actually the shortstop for the Minnesota Twins. How neat is that? Oh, about an hour later, the doctor came in again and went to the second man and he said, Sir, he said, congratulations, you had triplets. The man says, wow, that's amazing. You know, he had twins and he, as a shortstop for the Minnesota Twins, I had triplets and I worked for the 3M company. He said, this is amazing. About that time, the third man turned white as a ghost and almost fainted. And the doctor said, sir, sir, what's wrong? What's happening? The man says, I I don't know what to think. He says, I work for (laughs) 7-Up. 
And, uh, you know, <laughs> children are a blessing. They're a blessing of the Lord. And we're thankful for every child God's given us. And by the way, we're thankful for every child God's brought. Uh, of course, throughout the week, uh, there was many children here on property. By the way, you talk about energy in a building. I mean, this building was energetic. And not to say you guys aren't this morning, but they were energetic. And uh, what a blessing those children were. What a blessing those children are. No, they're not perfect. But I do believe if they're taught, if they're loved, if they're trained, and if they're brought to Jesus, God can do a work in their life. This morning, I want to kind of set the setting, if you will, for this story. This is a continuation of a message, if you will. One commentator said it's been going on for a little bit now. Uh, I don't know exactly what all was there. I wasn't there. But we do know that Jesus was in the middle probably of teaching. There was a group of people that have come together and they're listening to the word of God being preached and taught. And the crowd perhaps is growing. And perhaps the disciples are doing what they do best and organizing it and putting people where they need to be put. And, and they're listening. And, and uh, of course, if you look at the story previous, Jesus talks about the Pharisee and the publican. If you look at the story after this, you see that the young ruler comes to Jesus. And perhaps the disciples are being careful and selective who gets to be by Jesus and who gets to be up front. Maybe if we were to go to a, a special venue to have a special see something, uh, maybe we'd pay money to go see Perhaps we'd want to get good seats and get there early. And maybe that was what was happening. I don't know. But whatever the case, there's a group of people there and they're, they're listening to Jesus. And I want us to notice four different things out of this passage this morning. So if you're writing, first of all, I want us to see the, pa- the parents' desire. The parents' desire. And we see that in verse number uh, 15. The Bible says, and they, who are they? Those are Jewish parents, no doubt. They're parents who care about their children. We see that it says they brought unto him also infants. Now we see in Matthew chapter 19 that they brought unto him little children. So different perspective there, but I do believe they're younger children. They're, of course, maybe some babies, maybe some toddlers, maybe some young children. We don't know exactly all the ages, but these parents are bringing these children to Jesus. And perhaps you're wondering why would they have done it? Well, this is very customary back then. Jewish parents would often bring their children to the priest, uh, to those at the church, and they wanted them to be blessed and prayed over. Once again, in Matthew chapter number 19, it says that he should put his hands on them and pray. So we see he was more than just touching him. He was actually spending time with them. Perhaps he was uh, 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 playing with the children a little bit and saying, how are you doing? You're so cute and beautiful, uh, baby. And thank you so much for bringing them. And wow, what a wonderful child this is. And well, he's such a cute, cute thing. And, 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 and just loving on him a little bit. And perhaps that's what the parents wanted to do. They're bringing their children uh, to Jesus, and they would know if you're a Jewish family, there's a cultural sense, if you will, they understand their responsibility that God has outlined for their children. They knew Proverbs 22, 6 very well, a very familiar passage, perhaps you know it as well, train up a child and the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And these parents knew that verse, and they knew that was more than just a suggestion, this was a command from God, and they wanted desperately to get their children to Jesus so that they could effectively train up 
their child. The story is told about a little boy who had been invited to a birthday party of a friend, and he was so excited about it. He'd been counting the days to that birthday party, and the day finally came, and he got up that morning, and to his dismay, most children would be excited about this, but to him, it was devastating. There was a blizzard going on. Snow was so deep, and there was just no way he'd be able to go to this birthday party. But then he got this idea. Dad will find a way to get me there. He said, Dad, can I go? He begged him and begged him. Finally, his dad said, yes, you could go. It was just a few houses down. So the boy got all bundled up, put his scarf and hat on and his gloves on. And he walked out of the uh, house and started walking that way. And he finally got to the house. He's all proud of himself. He says, man, I braved the blizzard for this birthday party and I got there. And about that moment, he looked back and he saw the fleeting image of his dad walking back into their house. And he knew his dad had followed him to make sure he got there safely. And may I say this morning, isn't that the heartbeat of every parent in here, I'm sure? You want your kids to be able to get out there, but you also want to, let them, you want to make sure they're cared for, they're properly trained, they're guided along the way. And that was the heartbeat of these parents. They brought their children to Jesus for a reason. They wanted to make sure they were a good example They were to guide them and to know them. They knew what Proverbs 22, 15 says, and they knew it to be true. The Bible says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Children are born with that foolishness in their heart. They need a parent to lovingly teach them and train them and say, hey, no, no, don't do that. I know it's your nature to wallop your brother in the face because he took that toy from you, but that's not how we deal with that. You need instruction. You need to be taught. And yes, I know that it's easy to to take things out of the bucket, but you need to put your toys back in the bucket when you're done with them. Don't leave those Legos in the middle of the floor. They're, They're like a mine zone at night when you're walking through the house. You need to learn to do these things. And they knew this. They knew this. God had entrusted them to remove the foolishness from their children and to guide them in truth. A young pastor was in Ohio, and he was bivocational. His church couldn't quite support him. And so he worked at a feed mixing plant all day. And he would come home, and he would just be filthy. His son would say, Daddy, you're so dirty. And he grumbled, say, Yes, I'm dirty, but that's just what I have to do. Finally, one day, it was a Saturday morning. The dad didn't have to work, and he was washing his car. And he happened to look over and he saw his son in the middle of the dirt pile, grabbing rocks and stuff and just getting himself as dirty as possible. His dad said, son, what are you doing? We don't do that. His son said, daddy, I just want to be like you. And you know what that dad understood? Your children want to be just like you. And he had a big responsibility to be who he needed to be. Not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. These Jewish parents knew that. Of course, Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dads, we've been commanded to help teach and train our children and to bring them up to the glory of God. Mothers have been exhorted to in 1 Timothy 2 verse 15, notwithstanding she shall be saved or preserved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. 
mothers have been commanded too to train up and raise up their children for the Lord. There was a story about a mom who relaxed after reading her Bible one day. Her daughter came up to her and said, Mom, I haven't seen you do this for years. When are you going to finish that book? (laughs) May I encourage us, may that be our heartbeat. We're never going to finish this book. We're going to read it again and again and again and again. It is important to God to be thorough as you train your children. These Jewish parents no doubt knew the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. These words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. These Jewish parents knew that God loved those children. They knew that God had created them carefully. They knew he had entrusted them as a rich blessing. And he wanted them to train them and nurture them in the way of the Lord. You see, they brought their children to Jesus because they understood that they were responsible for the way their children would go. Otherwise, if that wasn't the case, why would they take the time to bring them as well at all? They realized they needed help beyond themselves. I remember a long time ago when my wife and I were dating and we first got married, we decided in our heart before long before we became a pastor That the church, Jesus Christ, was going to be the hub of our life. Everything was going to function around that. Yes, we were going to have fun. Yes, we were going to have a good time. But we were going to make sure that church was important. Our children knew that church was important to us. That God's word was important to us. That Jesus Christ was the Lord of our life. These parents knew they could not do it all alone. They need someone to help pray for their children. They needed someone to help guide them as they raised their children. They needed someone who wanted to help their children become a blessing. And may I just stop and say I'm thankful. My wife and I realized a long time ago, we can't do it all alone. There's no greater joy than to hear our children at the dinner lunch table on Sunday afternoon and say, Hey, here's what I learned from my teacher today. They taught me about Jesus. I'm thankful for the Sunday school teachers and many of you in this room have been teaching longer than I'm alive, I've been alive. And you prepare diligently your, your lesson every single week. Why? Because you know that there's some children that aren't your own, but you want to partner with some parents to help teach those children the right way. I'm thankful this morning for nursery workers, for those who work with our toddlers and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to invest my time every week in those dear kids. I'm thankful for people who help pray for my children, who help guide my children in the right way. They realized the help they needed was spiritual help. By the way, there's over 40 places in the Gospels alone where people brought other people to Jesus for one reason, for for his healing powers. 
you look throughout scripture, you see many times people brought them to Jesus because they are maimed, because they were blind, because they were demon-possessed, because uh, they were crippled, because they were sick, because they had various diseases. Some brought Jesus to help raise them from the dead. The widow of Nain, Jairus, and his daughter, Mary and Martha, brought Jesus to Lazarus. But here in this passage, we see that even more important than all of that, these Jewish parents, these parents wanted to bring their children to Jesus Christ because not so much physically, but because spiritually their children needed help. They knew what the Bible says in Psalms 51 verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Children are born in sin. We have Adam and Eve to thank for that. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We, our children, are born sinners. Their very nature is bent to do wrong. These parents knew their children were not perfect. They knew they weren't as good as they thought they were. They knew, knew these children needed the help only Jesus can provide. May I encourage you this morning, your children need to be brought to Jesus Christ. Pastor Mutcher sent me a graph this morning of those who accept Christ as their Savior. 85% of them do it between the ages of 4 through 14. 10% of them do it between the age of 15 through 30. And only 4% of those who accept Christ accept Him after the age of 30. Now, I don't know, and I'm sure in a room this size, it would be pretty close to that. And I'm willing to witness to every single person in the world, may I encourage us to be diligent and sharing the gospel, especially with children, and telling them about Jesus Christ. Yes, they need to understand. Yes, they need to understand what they're doing. But may we be diligent and sharing the gospel to every single person, especially our children. It's amazing to me in our world today how, how parents will spend uh, money, they'll spend time, they'll spend effort getting their children to everywhere. And by the way, we're a big proponent for that. We try to do things with our kids. We, we've gotten them involved in sports at times. We've, we've tried to do all those things too. But what must be most important in our life is what these parents understood, that we have to get our children to Jesus. We have to. We have to get them to church. May I say today, this was the heart of these dear parents. May I say, I'm pretty sure if you're here today, that's your heart as well, or else you wouldn't be here. But that wasn't the case for every single person who was there that day. Now, you would think people in that crowd would be excited to see parents wanting to bring their kids to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the most exciting things of all my time here this last year was vacation Bible school to see people pulling in by the droves to bring their kids in here. That's exciting. I don't know a church in America that wouldn't be excited to hear that they had a big day in their children's department. I mean, Pastor Justin, I don't know what to do. We had so many parents bring their kids. We were overwhelmed. Praise the Lord. That's not a sad thing. But what happens here? There's a group of people that's not really thrilled about this. Who are those people? Well, it's probably the Pharisees. It's probably those rich young rulers. It's probably those people who, you know, are kind of stiff a little bit. Well, we see, first of all, the parents' desire, but I want us to see, second of all, the disciples' disdain. 
the disciples' disdain. The Bible says in verse number 15, But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. That word rebuke is a continual sense. The disciples were not happy at all. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Disciples. I mean, you're closest to Jesus. You know his heartbeat. You ought to know this. I mean, come on, disciples. You, you, you've been commissioned to go out and reach the lost. Come on now. What you thinking? Disciples were probably thinking, oh, no. That children's going to disrupt this. Surely Jesus is going to be upset by this. Man, he's waxing eloquent here. Man, he just told this amazing parable about, about, about the, 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 the Pharisee and the publican and expounded amazing truth. Surely he doesn't want any children around right now. They, they, they have runny noses maybe. They, they're loud. They, they're crying. They're, 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 they're excited. They're, they're, they're getting involved in things. This is becoming a nuisance. We're going to hear about this. It's amazing to me how the disciples who should have known better. No, 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 no. They said, no, now, by the way, before you get too hard on the disciples, keep in mind that in their culture, children were deemed insignificant. It amazed me uh, when we were in, in Honduras, our missionary told us several times, most of the missionaries, uh, national pastors, they don't count the children in their service. They just count the adults. And I said, well, why is that? He said, that's just their culture. They just count the adults. I'm thinking, man, not us. And we count everybody. <laughs> We even count shadows of people that came by. No, we count everybody. We really don't. I'm teasing. But my point is, in their culture, that's just how it was. You know, we, children are insignificant. Could you imagine the, the heart of these dear parents sinking? I mean, here, we know we got to get to Jesus. I mean, we need help here. I mean, our children are... We're struggling with them. I mean, they're not obeying us. They're not getting involved. They, they're, not, they're, not, they're not following our leadership like we want. And, and there's a heart issue. I know there's a heart issue. Their, their heart isn't right. And because of that, our, our discipline, we're struggling. Our, our family home, our unity, our harmony is struggling. We need to get to Jesus. And can you imagine how the people who are supposed to be the most welcoming were saying, no, Jesus doesn't have time for you. And I just want to say this very carefully. But we don't ever want to give that stigma at our church. We don't ever want to be the church that says, you know what? We're glad you're here, but we're not really glad you're here. No, when people come hurting, people come broken... People come maybe stumbling and frustrated with life and they can't get the answers they need from the world and they go everywhere and, and maybe they have a, a crying baby or, or maybe maybe they're not dressed quite like we'd like to be or maybe they're, they're, they're a little different or maybe they don't talk the right talk and they want to come to Jesus and if we're not careful we can say, no, 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 not here. No, I don't feel like that's the spirit at all. But I do know one thing, it's happened to a lot of churches. And I want to encourage us this morning, at Grandview Baptist Church, may we never go that direction. And we always love those who need help. The Bible says in Psalms 137, by the way, this was not the mindset of Christ. The Bible says in Psalms 127, verse 3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies 
in the gate. We see children are a blessing of God, a valuable treasure delivered from God. And if you don't know that's true, let me encourage you to sit down and have a conversation with Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, with Rebecca, with Rachel, with Hannah, with Elizabeth, women in the Bible who took forever to have a child and they wanted a child so bad. And this was the heartbeat of Jesus Christ in Psalms 139 verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as ye yet there was none of them. David was writing here, and he understood that children were not accidents. The only way a child enters this world is under the creative hand of God. He forms them. He weaves them together. He makes them with fear and wonder. And he ordains their days. May I encourage you this morning to understand that God puts great care, great design, and forthright into every child. I'll never forget him for the rest of my life when we had our first child. And I thought, oh man, we've got this figured out. We'll just do the same thing with the next child. You know what blew me away? Was Brian and Eric were light years different. And I thought, oh man, what are we going to do? I mean, what works for Brian, I'm not saying biblical principles, I'm saying parenting. What works for him, that doesn't work for Eric. And then Brittany came along. And I said, Alicia, this she's all yours. I, I have no idea how to handle a girl, you know. I mean, I'd tell the boys, suck it up, buttercup, you'll be all right. I say that to Brittany and she keeps crying, you know. God designed and created every child unique and different. But by the way, they all can give him glory. I see, first of all, a parent's desire. I see a disciple's disdain. Could you imagine the heaviness of these Jewish parents' hearts? Oh, man, we desperately need Jesus, but we can't get there. I see, third of all, if you're writing a teacher's directive, a teacher's directive, the Bible says in verse 16, but Jesus called unto him and said, Suffer, permit Little children, come unto me and forbid them. That word forbid there is hinder them not. You know what Jesus says? Could you imagine what's going on here? There's a crowd of people listening. Perhaps they're scorning, mocking. Maybe they're hanging on to every word. We don't know what's going on. Perhaps Jesus is teaching. And he starts seeing a little bit of stirring going on. He starts seeing disciples with parents and children saying, Hey, no, 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 go away. Sit in the back. This, isn't, this area isn't for you. Perhaps Jesus, as he's teaching this, is saying, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. He says, hey, suffer them. Bring, come on, let them come up here. Could you imagine those parents as they're being pushed back because their children aren't maybe behaving or maybe they're crying a little bit or maybe sobbing a little bit? And, and he says, hey, hey, come here. Can you imagine the parent's heart get excited? You know what? Jesus does want to see us. 
You know, it's mutual. Not only do I want to get my children to Jesus, but Jesus also wants my children to come to Him. And can you imagine the excitement that Jesus loves children? Jesus wanted these kids to be in His lap, if you will. He wanted to listen. He wanted to pray to them. He, he probably wanted to, to congratulate the parents. And I'm sure if the parents were nowadays, they would have pulled out their phone and said, Hey, Jesus, let me show you. They're, they lost their first tooth this week. I videotaped it. You should have seen the craziest thing. My children got up and they walked around and I videoed it. It was so cool. Oh, thank you. You know, great. But Jesus act interested. He wanted to know. He wanted to get excited with them. He wanted to rejoice with them. Could you imagine the excitement in these parents' heart when they realized though culture didn't want their children and though the disciples didn't want them, Jesus loved them and Jesus wanted them. He was genuine. He loved humanity. He wanted the children just as much as he wanted the teens and the adults. We love that Jesus loved children. Isn't it amazing, though, that though Jesus loves children, we know that Satan hates children. We see that in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Matthew 2, 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked for the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children. Two years and under, Ezekiel says in chapter 16, verse 21, that thou hast slain my children, has caused them to pass through the fire. We see throughout scripture that men, evil men, who were inspired by Satan, did awful acts to children. May I encourage you this morning, as much as Jesus loves children, Satan hates them. And Satan wants to affect them and influence them. And we see, even in our world today, People fight in the courts and in the media to protect their right to invade a mother's womb. We see things are being taught throughout our culture and things that are against scripture are trying to be pushed upon our children and in being shown even in the newest Disney movies. It's amazing what is being put out there and being shoved at our children. We see there's things that are are being pushed and Satan delights that culture is perverting the biological and normalcy of what God ordained and what God created and what God established and they're trying to change all that. Why would they do that? Because Satan wants to deceive the children. And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus, that's not him. No, 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 no. Jesus loves the children. I want to encourage you this morning. May we be a church that understands what Scripture teaches. And may we encourage, may I encourage us to be a church that teaches the children what the Word of God says. But we see here Jesus loves the children. Parents are fulfilling their role. They caring for the spiritual needs of their children. They're bringing them to Jesus. The disciples are walking in the flesh and not recognizing what is going on. But Jesus is being Jesus. And he is welcoming these children to him. It's interesting this morning, as we see the parents' desire, the disciples' disdain, the teacher's directive. But I want us to see number four, the king's decree. The king's decree, the Bible goes on to say, and Jesus said, and forbid them not, verse 16, for of such is the kingdom of God. Throughout scripture, there are two things that God most likely compares humans to. 
Sheep, he is a great shepherd. And children. Now why does he compare us to those things? Because children, as in sheep, are considered to be totally dependent. They are helpless without help. I remember when our little son Brian came in the world, our firstborn, and he got, we brought him home, and I was almost scared to hold him. I was afraid that I would hurt him or drop him or something. You know, I told my wife for months, I, I can't bathe him. I might hurt him. That worked for about six weeks. And then my wife said, no. I tried the whole diaper thing on her, and she, I don't think I can change him, because what if some, I do something, you know? No, no, you're going to learn to change diapers. <laughs> We're in this together. But it was amazing to me how helpless that little body was. You had to be very careful how you held him so his neck went, went go back and forth. You had to make sure, and sometimes it was very difficult to feed him, and, and it took forever, and it was very frustrating until he figured it out. And there was so many things that, that he took him forever to roll over, and then crawl, and then walk, and after several years, he finally was able to start dressing himself, only to realize, boy, those pants are on backwards, you know. <laughs> I'm just amazed you actually got them on you, you know. And that's who we are compared to in Scripture. You say, Wow. Why would Jesus do that? Well, the Bible says in verse number 17, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall no wise enter therein. You know what Jesus was saying? Heaven, salvation, is not for the self-sufficient people, but the dependent people. It's not for those who can do it on their own. But for those who can't, and God's kingdom, salvation is not for the strong. It is for the weak. In other words, you cannot get to heaven on your own merit or your own good. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us, us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. In other words, hey, hey, you can't do it on your own. God came to seek and to save that which was lost. Oftentimes we go through life, the average person thinks they're doing pretty good. You know, I think I'm going to heaven because I'm doing some good things. I've, I've helped in some very important causes to me. And, and I've given some money here. And, and I've gone to church occasionally. And I'm a pretty good neighbor. And I'm a pretty good citizen. And God says, hey, you're missing it. I'm not saying only children can go to heaven. I'm simply saying, unless you come to me as a children, desperate and dependent on only me for help, you're not going to get there. You must put your faith and trust in me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh from the Father but by me. Maybe there's someone here today and you are being very sincere. And may I say, we're not upset at you. We're glad you're here. But you can try the hardest you ever can. 
You can give your whole life and you can do everything you can, but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And that goes against our, our grain. We don't like to admit that, that it's, we're not good enough. It goes against our pride. We've tried so hard. We've, we've given our life. We've, we've done everything in our minds right. And Jesus said, it's still not enough because you were born a sinner. You must. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God. What does the Bible say in verse number 17? Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God. It's interesting to me, no matter how good you are, no matter how hard you try, it's not going to cut it. You must receive that gift of God. What was that gift? That gift was the perfect God came to earth in the form of a man and he lived a perfect life and then he was beaten he was marred he didn't even look like a human being he was nailed to an old rugged cross and for hours he suffered and bled and then he died but the most exciting thing something that's never happened before was three days later he rose from the grave on his own and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And may, may I say today, unless you receive that free redemption gift, that, hey, I paid for your sin on Calvary, unless you receive that, you're never going to get in. I think of Nicodemus. He came to Jesus one night and he says, what must a man do to be saved? You must be born again, Jesus said. Not of water, but of the Spirit. There must come a time in your life when you realize you are not good enough. I must give my life to Jesus Christ. And by the way, may I encourage us, once we give our life to Christ, Jesus then does the cleaning up in our life, and he wants to sanctify us and, and get us to where we can serve him and do great things for God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you, have you come to Christ as a childlike faith? Realize, without you, God, I have no hope. I need you in my life. And I want to put my faith and trust in you and you alone. It's humility. It's humbling. The Bible says, narrow is the way and that leadeth. Wide is the gate that leads the other way. It's something that you have to personally decide in your life that I am going to trust on Jesus Christ and Him alone. We see this morning a parent's desire. They wanted to get their children to Jesus Christ. I believe that's our heartbeat today, but may I encourage us to decide today. There's a lot of good things in this world today, but the most important is getting my children to Jesus. Getting them to God's house. Getting them around good, godly people. Getting them around the, good, the pastor who can pray for them and love on them. And get around good, godly counsel and get around people who can help you lead. And then we see the disciples disdain. Maybe you have struggled with, with, with accepting those who aren't quite like you. I'm not talking about doctrinally. I'm talking about they're not where you are at maturity-wise, so I, I don't have time for you. No, no, no. Will we help those people grow, get closer to the Lord? Will we help them find Jesus? And then we see the teacher's directive. Maybe this morning you're not feeling like God loves you. Oh, Jesus loves every single one of you. And he's always there for you. And then we see this morning 
The way to Christ is simple childlike faith, humbling yourself before God and saying, Jesus, I need you and you alone. Will you have me? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you're at. I think you understand the goal this morning. We're just, we're just, we, we just love children. And when I say that, when I say that, I mean, we, we, we want them to know Jesus. We want God to get a hold of their life. We want them to be able to live a wonderful life for the Lord. I think D.L. Moody, a long time ago, someone came up to him and said, how many souls did you have saved? He said, two and a half. He says, oh, two adults and one child. He said, no, two children and one adult. Those children have their whole life to serve the Lord. I don't know about you this morning, but I've decided in my heart, in my life, and my wife, and I have decided this, that we want to lead our children not just to Christ, but we want Christ to become a big part of their life. We want them to want to spend time with God in prayer and reading their Bible. We want them to want to memorize scripture and we want them to have fun. Man, they love sports. We got them a trampoline this week. They were jumping on all that all day. We want them to have a good time. But we want them to understand that Jesus, they need Jesus first and foremost. Maybe there's someone here today that you've you've been like the disciples and you hate to admit it. You didn't even mean to. You You weren't trying Maybe God needs to rekindle a fresh revival in your heart to humble yourself and accept those maybe who are searching for Christ that aren't where you are. Maybe we need to help with the bus ministry a little more. We need to sign up once a month for the, for the junior church if we can or Grandview or Awanas or nursery. We need to spend some time with the teenagers. We'll, we'll, we'll volunteer. We'll give a little more. Maybe to help clean up after them and teach them how to do it right. Maybe there's some in this room today that you've maybe not felt or understood that Jesus truly does love you so much. May you bask in his love today. May I encourage you, if you do not know Christ, or maybe you're trusting in things that you could do, may I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. We'll have pastors down here who would love to help you with that. So you understand and so you can pray and ask Jesus Christ into your life. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism or maybe you're interested in church membership. Our pastors will be down here. Lord, you saw the heart. You know the hearts. And you know that there's some maybe that are struggling. I pray that you'll help them today. Or be with those maybe who don't know for sure they're going to heaven. Perhaps that's you. Maybe as I'm praying, you would say in your heart, you know, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I, to be honest with you, I had it all backwards. I thought, it, I thought I was doing the right thing to get to heaven. But clearly in this scripture, I've got to humble myself like a child and totally depend upon God. And I'll be honest with you, I hate to admit this, but I've been going about this the wrong way. And I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I want to get it settled. Put my faith and trust in him alone. If that's you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed... We won't embarrass anyone. That's not our goal. Our goal is to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. If that's you, will you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody this morning? I'm looking in the balcony, maybe. Maybe around the auditorium. Anybody this morning? I, I need to give my life. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Let me encourage you to say something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve hell, even though I don't want to go there. I realize what I can do is not good enough. 
I need to put my faith and trust in you and you alone. I repent of my way of thinking. And I want to give my life to you. Please come to my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads continue to be bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to rejoice with you. I won't point you out, but I just want to rejoice with you. Can you slip up your hand if you just prayed that prayer? God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see several hands this morning. Praise the Lord. How many would say, you know what, Brother Justin, I've, I'll be honest with you. I have at times acted like those disciples. And I just will pray that God will help revive my heart and help me with that. That you will slip up your hand. Anybody? How many would say, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I've not been feeling the love like I should. Jesus Christ, and I know he loves me. And, and really, I have a burden that's overwhelming. I have a financial need. I, I have this health issue. I have this relationship struggle. Pastor Justin, will you just pray for me? I got a need this morning. If that's you, will you slip your hand? Anybody? Oh, all over the auditorium. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for those who gave their life to you this morning. May they know that's the greatest thing in all the world. I pray that there will be some parents that will decide to get their children to Jesus. Get them to church. Get them into good, godly uh, place. Lord, be with those who are struggling like the disciples did and be with those who may be carrying a burden. May you work in their hearts. Be with those maybe that need to follow Lord in baptism. May they realize that's just an outward expression of my inward decision. And it's just simply identifying with you and showing everyone that I'm proud to be a Christian. Maybe they can do that this morning. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much. Bless the invitation to come in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. Our pastors are down here. They'd be happy to pray with you. If maybe you'd like, maybe you made a decision. You'd say, you know what? I invited Christ in my life, and I'm willing to show everybody that I got saved. That's okay. You know, Jesus was willing to do that for me. I'm willing to do that for him. Maybe you'd like to come forward and talk to a pastor and say, hey, I just prayed and invited Jesus Christ in my life. Maybe you'd like to uh, uh, follow the Lord in baptism, or maybe you have a decision that you're working with. And I want to encourage you uh, to just pray about that. Maybe you'd like a pastor to say, hey, I don't know why I'm here, but I just know I need something. Will you pray with me? Our pastors would love uh, to, to pray with you this morning and help you and anything you have. I know that's their heart. They love people. They love want to help those who are struggling maybe or need something. Do as God would have you to do this morning. Okay, you may be seated. Uh, Andrew Park has come forward uh, this after, this morning, early afternoon, and he accepted Christ as his Savior, but he wants to follow the Lord in baptism today. And uh, so he's getting ready at this time. I just want to say it's exciting. I believe every week this summer so far, or almost every week, we've had someone ba- get baptized, and several have joined the church, and that is exciting. You may be sitting there today saying, you know, Pastor Justin, what is baptism? What does it really mean? Baptism does not save you, does not wash your sins away. It simply is identifying you with Christ. 
And it's just like this wedding ring identifies me with my wife. Baptism identifies with your, you with Christ. It's an outward expression. You want everybody to know about the inward decision. It's really that next step of obedience. And so that's what Andrew's doing this morning. And I'm sure many of you know that. But in case you didn't, maybe you have never been baptized and you've been saved. Let me encourage you to pray about that. And we'd love to, to help you out with that um, as well. Okay, we are going to um, show a video and then we'll have a baptism this morning. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special sermon from Pastor Muchler. Primetime with Pastor will be held this Tuesday, July 19th here at Grandview in the Abundant Life Classroom. The cost is only $10 per person and you can sign up today at the welcome desk to attend. Teenagers don't miss out on the overtime teen activity coming up on Wednesday after the evening service. We'll play street hockey and capture the flag immediately following the Wednesday night service and we'll be finished by 8.45 p.m. There is no cost to attend. Our summer children's program will be putting on a musical play entitled All About the Call on Sunday, July 24th at 5 p.m. Get your kids involved this summer as we work to bring fun, Bible truths, and singing together for all ages. Mount Zion Baptist Teen Camp is August 1st through the 5th. The cost is $230, and that includes a camp shirt, activities, meals from Monday night to Friday morning, travel expenses, and more. It's for teenagers going to 7th grade up to high school graduates this year. A sign-up sheet, camp brochure, and permission forms are available at the welcome desk. Also, if you would like to donate to camp or sponsor a teenager, please designate it on your giving envelope. For questions or more information, please see TJ Gardner. We want to help lead you on a journey of a strong relationship with Christ, and we believe a great way to facilitate this is our starting point class for all people new to our church and for those who want to serve the Lord in a bigger way. We will meet today after the 11 a.m. service for about two hours and we'll enjoy a meal together. During this special time, you will learn how to strengthen your relationship with the Lord, get connected to other people, and find an area to serve. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. students. Andrew, on a public profession of your faith in Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, that is so exciting. Let me just remind you today that the starting point class will be right after this service. I hope some of you maybe, uh, I think it would really help if you could come to that. And I hope you'll think, pray about that. And then tonight, Pastor Mutzer has a special message for us. We finished up Nehemiah last week. I promise you, you'll be glad you come. And have a great day. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.